You know, when I was a child, I didn't always make the best choices. I made some stupid choices in my life. Like this one time, I was in Columbus at my cousin's house, and they had this above-ground pool in their backyard, and it was wintertime. And I remember me and my cousins, we were on the deck at the pool while all of our parents were in my grandmother's house, which was the next house over. And I was looking at the water, and I just was so enticed with the idea of, can can I walk across the ice to the other side of the pole? I saw the danger. I knew the danger. But I was just so enticed by the idea of doing this. So I did it. I, I, I took my right foot, and I began to take the step out, and I stepped on the ice. And then that first step, before you know it, I went through the ice, and I was in the freezing cold water trying to get my cousins to pull me out. You know, there's a struggle in our life, and that struggle is temptation. You know, temptation is kind of like that of me trying to walk across that ice on that pole. I knew it was not the wise choice. I knew there was dangers. I knew I, would, I was probably getting myself into trouble, but the enticement still lured me in. And that's the struggle we have. We see the danger, but something still pulls us to make those poor choices, to still make those poor decisions. And oftentimes the beatdown of life weakens our spiritual immune system then in our weakened state, you know what happens? We cave to the pressures of temptation. It just lures us in. This week, as we continue on this this message series called uh, Surviving and Thriving, we're going to be focusing on the surviving and thriving when we are tempted. Because that's a really big struggle in our journey, isn't it? And as we pick up the story of Joseph, I believe there's no doubt that the circumstances of the life that he was facing was wearing him down. You can't tell me that when Joseph last week was given to those slave traders by his brothers, that he wasn't beaten down by life. That he wasn't wore down by the circumstances that he was facing. And then you fast forward to Genesis 39 that we'll be highlighting today. Joseph was taken to Egypt. He was bought by Potiphar, who was one of Pharaoh's officials. But the Bible says something very interesting through the beginning of this part of the story. The Bible says that God, the Lord, was with Joseph. And that because of that, Joseph prospered. Look at verse 2 of Genesis 39. It's written, the Lord was with Joseph so that he prospered, and he lived in the house of the Egyptian master. You see, as the story unfolds in this chapter, Joseph found favor with Potiphar, and he was put in charge of all of Potiphar's household, and all the household was blessed by the Lord because of Joseph, because of what he was doing. And because of these blessings, Joseph was entrusted with everything in the house of Potiphar. Potiphar didn't have to worry about a thing except for what he was going to eat for dinner that night. That's all, he, that all, that's all he cared about. And the challenge, though, is that sometimes we have potholes that come. Because let's be real. This was not the life that Joseph envisioned. It wasn't. 
I am sure Joseph never dreamed of being sold into slavery. And he never dreamed as, to live as a slave. But through it all, Joseph chose to remain true to who he was. To who God was calling him to be. And the challenge is that when these potholes of life come to us, when life hits us, we sometimes use that as an excuse to break out of our character, to make poor choices. But can I just be honest with you for in this moment? Our true character is actually revealed when things don't go our way. When life hits you wrong, that's when you reveal the real you. That's when the real character comes out. Carrie Newhoff, author and blogger, wrote this, something that I think is so important for us to understand in our life, that in life, our character will be tested more than our competency. There's reality to that. We're so often concerned about how competent we are that we don't really concern ourselves with our character. But know this, character matters. Reading between the lines of the story, Joseph focused more on maintaining and building his relationship with the God that he served rather than his own personal advancement. He focused more on what he put into him rather than what he was doing all around him. And by honoring God, Joseph focused on doing the task at hand to the best of his to the best of his ability every day he didn't want it to be a slave but that's where God put him in that moment and he gave his best every day this my friends is integrity and integrity matters it may not be the life you wanted it may not be where you wanted to be but God led you there and please understand this, integrity breeds success. You want success in life? Be a person of integrity. Many times life will not be what you wanted it to be. It won't go the way you planned it. And in these potholes of life, the temptation to pave our own path is just magnified. When life doesn't go my way, I tried so hard to make the life I want. But here's something a wise mentor recently told me. He said, Bill, you can open your own doors, but whatever door you open, you need to sustain. Or you can follow God's path and timing. And through this, God is the one who will provide. So which do you prefer? A life that you built a life that you need to, to sustain or a life where God truly is your provider. God's name in the Old Testament was Jehovah Jireh, my provider. He proved this with Abraham. He proved this with Moses through the Exodus. And he proved it with Joseph. And he can prove it for us too. You see these potholes of life also magnify the fact that every one of us has an identity crisis. The lore of the flesh is to find our identity in all the wrong places. Every one of us is in the struggle. If you're honest with yourself, if I'm honest with myself, at some point in my life, and sometimes it comes up again, I have an identity crisis. Who am I? 
what, what am I here for? Maybe you struggle with that too. Every one of us at some point in our life has an identity crisis that lures us away from what God wants us, where it wants to go. Maybe it's professional success or what house you live in or sexual identity or relational identity or athletics or the arts, you name it. All these pursuits for identity are traps pulling us away from our main focus. And his name is Jesus. You see, my friends, our identity is to be in Jesus, not Bill, not my professional life, not my sports passions. Jesus, he's my identity. He needs to be our identity. My friends, Jesus became like us, fully man, so that we can become so that we can become more like him. Paul wrote about this in Philippians chapter two, how God humbled himself, how Jesus humbled himself and became down to earth and became like us, so that he may lift us up. And the apostle Paul wrote this in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. Therefore, If anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, the old has gone, and the new is here. You see, when we give our lives to Jesus, the Bible says that we are now a new creation in him. It's no longer Bill. It's no longer what Bill wants or the path Bill desires. It's Jesus. He's my identity, and he should be yours too. You see, this identity crisis simply increases our battle with temptations. That's what it does. For Joseph, finding his identity and his obedience to the God that he served was the priority of his life. Even though it may not have been the life that he wanted or the life that he chose, Joseph was content because of his relationship with the God that he served. And because of this, God provided and God blessed him. To put this all together, our personal aim is to be holy. That's what we should strive to do. My life focus should be to how holy can I become. That doesn't mean that I'm trying to be better than anybody else. Holiness is so much more than that. Striving for holiness is to become more like Jesus and less like me. That's my ambition in life. If I make that the priority of who I am, if every day I have the breath of life, my focus is to become more like Jesus and less like me, he will provide. I don't have to sustain anything. That's what Joseph lived and learned. And so often we get sidetracked when our focus is more about our own personal advancement or our own personal pleasures than it is about Jesus. We get sidetracked and we get beat down because we built a life that I need to sustain, not a life where God will provide. You see the difference? I want a life that God will provide. 1 Peter chapter 1, it's written, 
as obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. But just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. For it is written, be holy because I am holy. It's almost like if we drew a line in the sand. And that line in the sand signifies what life is right before God and what life, if I cross that line, now I'm living in sin. I'm going opposite of the heart of God. I'm going against what God wants for my life. So we draw that line in the sand and what tends to happen is we try to see how close we can get to that line. You know, how close can I get to that line and satisfy my life? without crossing over and going against God, disobeying God. It's almost like, God, okay, I see the line, and I want to honor you, but I want to enjoy life. So how close can I get to enjoying life and getting to your line before I really cross over? And can I just gently say that this is absolutely wrong? All that does is reveal an unfortunate heart condition that will eventually lead you astray and pull you away from God further and further. Our focus should never ask, how close can we get to that line? You're asking the wrong question. Our focus should be, how much closer can I get to Jesus? All that dancing on the line stuff only pulls you further away from him. Because what it truly is revealing, my heart really isn't a heart that wants to honor and pursue Jesus. I want what Jesus provides, but I want my life. And you're trying to build a life that sustains, hoping that God will provide. And you're missing it. We're missing it. Look what Paul wrote about our struggle with temptation in Ephesians chapter 5. But among you, there must be not even a hint of sexual morality or any kind of impurity or of greed, because these are improper for God's holy people. Nor should there be obscenity, foolish talk, or coarse joking, which are out of place, but rather thanksgiving. For of this you can be sure, no immoral, impure, or greedy person, such, as, such a person is an idolater, has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of such things, God's wrath comes on those who are disobedient. Therefore, do not be partners with them. For, th- for you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of the light, for the, fr- for the fruit of the light consists of all goodness, righteousness, and truth. And to find out what pleases the Lord. Have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. It is shameful even to mention what, what the disobedient do in secret. But everything exposed by the light becomes visible, and everything that is illuminated becomes a light. Can I just pause here for just a moment and clear something up? First, being tempted does not mean you sinned. Every one of us gets tempted. Just because you have those bad thoughts, just because those begin to creep in, just because you receive that temptation does not mean you sinned. Jesus was tempted. He walked this earth. He dealt with temptation, but he never sinned. You see, temptation is a battle of our mind and our heart. And what we do when we are tempted, that's what makes the difference. 
That's what pulls us away from God or pushes us towards him. And Paul gives two calls to action against temptation. The first is that we are not to partner with anything that is darkness. Do not partner with anything that is darkness. What you surround yourself with matters. It matters. Did you see what Paul wrote? He said, don't even have a hint of impurity in your life. Not even a hint of it. So if I'm a person who struggles with alcoholism, I should never even be close to a bar. If I'm a person who struggles with pornography, then I should never even watch movies that come anywhere near those struggles. If I... If I am a person who has other struggles, I should stay away from it. You see, I strive in my life to live the Billy Graham model. And that is, you know, when I go out, I make sure I know my environment and make sure I stay away from things that could even give people an opportunity to say, Bill, what are you doing? Because I don't want anything to do with darkness. Nothing. I don't want a hint of it in my life. And some people may say, Bill, this is just too extreme, man, lighten up. But here's the thing. My relationship with Jesus is what matters most to me. That's what matters. And look what Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 33. He said, don't be misled. Bad company corrupts good character. What you surround yourself with matters. The people or the things that you watch or you do or you listen to, it infects you. Don't give anyone a chance to even think you're walking in darkness. Even more so, don't give darkness the opportunity to entice you, to lure you away. And the second thing that we learn from Paul from his passage in Ephesians is to expose the darkness with light. We're not supposed to live in darkness. We're supposed to be the light that exposes the darkness, that draws it out. Here's the bottom line. We are not to interact with darkness. We're not supposed to. We're called to be the light for the city to see. And light exposes darkness. When I was a kid, I used to get all wrapped up with Unsolved Mysteries. And I remember on Wednesday nights, I would watch Unsolved Mysteries by myself in our living room. And it was dark outside. And I would be so scared of what I was seeing on the TV that I didn't know what to do. And I couldn't turn it off. So I would run into our dining room that you could still see the TV. And I would hide underneath the dining room table so that the window that if someone was at the window, they couldn't see me. I was so scared, but I couldn't turn it off. But what amazes me is if I watched that same show during the day, the different reaction I would have. Why? Because light exposes darkness. Light always wins. And to expose darkness in a spiritual sense, it's all about what you surround yourself with and what you put into you. What you take in really makes a difference. You know, physically, it's been said that we become what we eat. 
And the tr- there's so much truth to that. You know, if I live my life just eating junk food and drinking milkshakes, my physical self will be unhealthy and my body would reflect that. And the same is true for our spiritual self. We become what we take in. What you watch, what you listen to, what you surround yourself, what the environment that you allow yourself to take in, you eventually become. How do you expose that? How do you combat that? Focus on what you're surrounding yourself with. Focus on what you are bringing in so that you can expose the darkness with light. But here's the bummer side of it all. Just because you make the right choice does not mean you're gonna be completely protected by unfortunate circumstances. It's just not gonna happen. Going back to Joseph's story, Joseph, as the Bible says, was well-built and handsome. He was a stud. That's who he was. So much so that Potiphar's wife began to take notice. She liked Joseph. And she tried to entice Joseph to have an affair with her. But Joseph continued to make the right choice to honor God and, his honor, and to honor his role with Potiphar and refuse to be lured by that temptation. And this was not a one-time enticement. This was not one time and one moment. It happened day after day. Potiphar's wife attempted to lure Joseph and entice him to have an affair with her. And the Bible says in Genesis 39 verse 10, And though she spoke to Joseph day after day, he refused to go to bed with her even be with her. You know, this is how temptation works. The thought comes in, the opportunity arises, and it just continues to persist. This is the tactic of the devil. He will wear down our minds, entice our inner passions to the point that it becomes harder and harder to resist. And maybe today we think I will partner with darkness a little more than we did yesterday. I'll just take that baby step to follow my uh, passions a little bit more. We did it cross the line, but we're dabbing around the dark thoughts in our mind. And let's be real, that pulls you in. And Joseph, he was a man. He was a man, and you don't think those thoughts entered his mind? How easy would it have been for him to follow that enticement and be lured into temptation? Nobody would know. Potiphar was never home. What could be the real problem if just one time he went and was with Potiphar's wife? You know those thoughts? And the more you partner with darkness and allow those thoughts to fester, the further you are from being holy, from the heart of God, and from his protection. Plus, don't overlook the key steps that Joseph took that revealed his heart and his focus in verse 10. Look at at that verse again. It says that he refused to go to bed with her. Or, don't miss this, or even be with her. Joseph was staying away. He didn't want any part of it. He didn't want a hint of it in his life. And similar to what Paul wrote in Ephesians, Joseph made the conscious choice to not partner with darkness. Joseph was going nowhere near that line. He honored God. Then look what happens. The Bible says, then one day he went into the house to attend to his duties, and none of the household servants was inside. She caught him by his cloak and said, come to bed with me. 
but he left his cloak in her hand and ran out of the house. When she saw that he had left his cloak in her hand and had run out of the house, she called her household servants. Look, she said to them, this Hebrew has been brought to, to make sport of us. He came in here to sleep with me, but I screamed. When he heard me and heard the scream for help, he left his cloak beside me and ran out of the house. She kept his cloak beside her until, his, until the master came home. And when Potiphar came home, she told him the same story. And Potiphar burned with anger and threw, threw Joseph into prison where he was hopefully, by Potiphar's thoughts, forgotten. Hear me now. The battle tends to get intensified when darkness is exposed. Always remember something. This is a spiritual battle. Paul wrote this in Ephesians 6, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers and against the authorities, the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. The devil, he is the king of darkness, and all he wants to do is to destroy you and destroy me. But know this, when the intensity increases, victory is on the horizon. The problem, though, is that we don't like the heat. When the heat rises, we tend to back down. We tend to give in. And this all circles back around to our character, our integrity, and our personal aim to be holy. And in these moments that we feel defeated and abandoned, it's, the, it's in these moments when in reality we get the better glimpse into Jesus being by our side knowing that he, Jehovah Jireh, provides. He's our identity, not this world. So when temptation comes your way, don't even have a hint of it. Don't partner with darkness. Expose the darkness with the light. When temptation comes, do what Joseph did. Run! Run! away from it. Expose it with the light. Let your character, let your integrity speak for the person that you are and who you stand for. Because when you have an identity in Christ, he will provide. Stop trying to live a life that you need to sustain. Run towards Jesus and away from the temptations that entice us in this world. Let me leave you with this last verse. Galatians 2 says this, I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. He gave himself for you. May you run with him rather than the enticements of this world. Let's pray. Father in heaven, may you receive all the glory. Lord, you are good. Father God, when temptation comes, may we run towards you. Lord, may we stand by you. May you be the one that provides us, provides for us. May we expose the light with the character and integrity and the pursuit of holiness that we strive for. And Lord, may we long for you. I pray for each person watching this right now. Lord, you know their struggles, you know their temptations. Give them victory over that. And may they have freedom through you. It's in your name we pray. Amen.